0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, good morning, everyone. And if we haven't met before, I'm Sam, one of the team here. Uh, if you're also wondering, these modern day pastors, you know, they just waltz in to the auditorium whenever they feel like it. Um, that's because we are now one church in two locations. And so if you haven't heard yet, uh, I've, I've already preached this morning. We've had a lovely morning up at Taramara at our location up there and um, Oh, guys, I wish I could always take you up there and transport you up there because um, God's doing wonderful things up in that place and that space up there. You know, there were um, two new families this morning alone outside of our whole north side ecosystem of this church adoption. And um, that's just such a wonderful, positive thing at this stage in the game because um, not that we've done anything smart about it, but up until that point, that church... You know They really hadn't seen a visitor in months uh, up there, and so God is clearly doing something uh, up there, and he's doing something amongst us here, and I love the energy uh, that we've got in the room and to walk into this, so I'm just praising God for all of that. So um, so if you've joined us uh, this morning, maybe you're a, someone's invited you, you're a guest, um, that's where we're at, and so that's why we're having a family meeting, having a family meeting. We've got that phrase already. Uh, we have family meetings because uh, when you adopt new brothers and sisters like we have up in Taramara It's just great, you know, as your parents might have said in your day, well, in our household, this is how we do things, right? Well, in our household, this is how we do things. We're we're a church that always wants to point to Jesus. Remember I said we want to be a church where nothing gets in the way between a person searching for God and God except the question, who is Jesus? And we're also a church that accepts people where they are. Um, helping them to be all that God has designed them to be, which is, which is great news for you this morning if you're just checking out Christianity because you know, we often say you can belong before you believe and you believe before you behave. Um, it means you can be a part of our family no matter how dirty you think your leather jacket is this morning, as we heard in communion. <laughs> and then last week we talked about communicating uncluttered Christianity. We want to be our unapologetic in in just keeping things simple here. There are lots of ways we Christians can complicate Christianity. We deliberately work at trying to keep it simple. And this morning, not much time, so I'm going to get straight into it. We're a community who always wants to serve people, meeting the needs of the community around us and addressing injustices. Now, when you see a phrase like that, I don't know about you, but um, for me, I, I can find that overwhelming. I can find it overwhelming because have you seen the state of the world at the moment? <laughs> Are still bombing spots in Syria as we talk. You know, there's, there's still famine and poverty in areas of Africa. Um, there's still natural disasters happening. Uh, and Then you get to the home front and, and you see that you know, drug addictions on the rise and separation rates are on the rise. Cost of living in Sydney is on the rise. Um, there are people that you know where their marriages are in trouble, where they're struggling. Um, there are people that you know that have got health issues. There are people that you know that have lost kids. <laughs> You know, when, when you then take into account all of that, being a pastor, and you hear all of that, and um, it's no wonder we can feel overwhelmed, right? What do we do with that? I mean, do we just sign off? And if if we're real, if, if we're real, I, I think we do in some ways. I, I, I do at least, you know, you, you see the ads from Compassion, or World Vision, or there's yet another request, or you turn up on a Sunday morning, and you hear the preacher start talking about serving, and you think in your head instinctively, here we go again. You know, you start reaching for the wallet thinking, what, what's the call going to be? And, and, and it's difficult because on, on one hand, um, it's overwhelming. But then as Christians, we, we know that we should do something, right? Um, and, then, and then at the other side of the spectrum, it feels like it, there's absolutely nothing that we could do around us, Right? So, this morning, what I want to do is I want to share a, a great story that Jesus tells. It's one of the best stories ever told. Um, great story that Jesus tells, and then and really a, a statement that, that's helped me personally cut through this service fatigue. Um, that I've experienced in my Christian life. I hope it will for yours. Um, then we're going to talk through our framework at Northside uh, as, to, as to how we serve and, and great ways for you to serve and then some, some good news, hopefully, for you at the end of it all. But, you know, when I, when I get overwhelmed with all of these things and I see passages like this, you know, I think subconsciously for me, the deep question that I'm asking myself is, you know, Jesus, what's the minimum standard, <laughs> right? Just being real. I'm thinking, what, 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 is, what is the minimum standard to serve? You know, subconsciously, when we think about serving, we're thinking about, Lord, can you just tell me what is the minimum amount I need to do so that I can actually feel good about myself? And I actually think it was that question that the lawyer was asking Jesus at this soiree. This is where this Bible reading was set. You know, you can imagine it was a soiree full of all of the intelligentsia and the lawyers. And so in the middle of this soiree, Jesus gets, uh, he gets called out in the middle of the soiree by a lawyer who says this. He says, On one occasion an expert in the law stood up and he said, Teacher, you know, I always imagine this, you know, he's got a glass of red or something in a big goblet, you know. <laughs> Teacher, he asks, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, Jesus replies, which, you know, look at the brilliance of the guy. You know, how do you combat a lawyer? You know, you answer a question with a question, right? So, so Jesus says, well, what do you think it is? And, and play, starts playing this guy back into his own trap. Because this guy walks right into it. He goes, oh yes, I know that one. It's from Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He's feeling quite chuffed with himself at this point. And Jesus, the brilliance of it, gets him into this pincer movement and goes, you've answered correctly. Go back. You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And... And so what Jesus is really saying there is that, you know, if you, what's the minimum standard of serving? Look, guys, the minimum standard of serving is simply this. Just, um, just uh, love God as if he's the first and the only thing that you think about the minute that you wake up and meet the needs of strangers and neighbors who are near you with the same intentionality and ferocity as you do your own needs. Simple. <laughs> Anyone feeling that? Anyone done that? This week, which is part of the reason why I think that this lawyer then, as lawyers do, apologize if you're a lawyer, we've got a few of them in the room, then says what it says, and then he wants to justify himself, <laughs> you know, and so he wants to justify himself. And so Jesus starts to tell this story, uh, starts telling the story about um, there's a priest and a Levite, basically, it's a, a pastor and an elder of a Jewish church, see a man that's beaten and bloodied a Jew, one of them on the side of the road. Right, And they pass by him and then a Samaritan, their arch nemesis, goes and looks after him. And so then Jesus tells his story and says to the legal eagle, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, probably through grated teeth like this, the one who had mercy on him. (laughs) Right? Because you've got to imagine like the good Samaritan, that's an oxymoron. That's like saying the good ISIS member. Right in the Middle East, it, this absolutely would have crushed this guy into a corner. Gets absolutely worked by Jesus, and so we see from Jesus what the minimum standard is. This, and here's the minimum standard. It may be in simple terms at this. Jesus says, "Do good to whoever God puts in your path." Do You're hearing that going. That doesn't help. <laughs> That makes it even worse. What are you you saying, Jesus? Like, you know, have have you seen all the homeless people in the CBD? Have I got to give coins to them every time I walk past them? Have you seen all the needs that are happening with my neighbors? Have I got to invest in them financially too? Jesus, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be broke. I'm going to be burnt out. What is it? And and I think practically it's this, that that we end up feeling so overwhelmed, but... But we have to realise that in spite of all of our limited resources and in spite of how big these issues are around us, you are responsible for doing good for someone or something. Someone, something, somewhere. And so you're responsible to do good for someone, somewhere. And so here we get to the statement that's helped me with that because that in itself can be overwhelming. The statement comes from... A preacher over in the States, and i got to quote him because it doesn't get any better than the way he puts it. But Andy Stanley says this. He says, when you feel overwhelmed by all of the things that are around you, just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. What I love about this is that it really shows us now um, what, what serving the community should be as a church. Because often when we hear, oh, we want to be a, a community that serves our community, we want to be a church community that serves our community, like on one hand we can often think, oh, well then, yeah, that's, that's in all the ways that we're helping Thrive Madagascar this month and it's the way that the team is doing an amazing job with our GLOW ministry and just and just serving the sex workers in the area around here, around our church, and um, it's the way that we do Caring Beyond. and They're, they're all of those things, but... Um, there is a real risk attached with that because it can mean that we we can hide behind that and we can say, my church does this and my church does that and my church does this. This is the way my church serves the community when we're not really serving the community ourselves at all, right? And, And it's over the years I've come to realize that the mission, mission is not a department of the church, it's the mandate of the church all of us to play our bit no matter how big or small so this totally revolutionizes the way we think about of course we're going to have those ministries but what I'm speaking to you about today is how are you going to serve and you know what it's so vital that we get the next couple of points I'm going to make because if we don't you know I I, I believe wholeheartedly that this week um, God is going is to give you hundreds of little opportunities. He's going to nudge you in hundreds of ways in, in which to serve somebody somewhere this week. And in fact, you probably had a hundred of them last week and we missed them. We missed them because we probably forgot. And if I'm real about it, we just forget. This stuff's nothing new. We, we forgot to see the way that the man saw in the story that Jesus tells. So this morning, I, you know, I want to share with you the, the framework that we have as a as a church, and I think it's so critical that we we start to understand this. You, you might have, you may well have heard this before, and, and let me throw a disclaimer out. In fact, I know you've heard this before because Kristen told me that some of the some of the um, mums in our Thursday mums group, you know, have used this before. They're, they're sitting around the Bible study, and they said, "As Sam says, you know, is there a? I'm not going to tell you now. I've got to at least create some suspense." Um, <laughs> So look, if you've heard this before, the reason you're hearing it again, it's not because I'm, I'm trying to be snazzy with new information each week. It's because I want to give us a framework. <laughs> you know, it takes, it takes you um, eight times to hear something and to remember it um, than if you wrote it down. <laughs> so if everyone had notebooks this morning, <laughs> then I only have to um, preach it this morning. But up until then, then we're going to hear it again. <laughs> but here's the point. I think with this stuff... We don't need revelation this morning. We need a reminder. Uh, I'm preaching to the choir. There are, there are lots of people here who do amazing things for God, but we don't, we don't need new information. We, just, we need to be compelled to do it. And that's what we see here from this story. Verse 33. Uh, the Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And so here's, here's the first thing. Um, that we see from this passage here. Here's here's how you become a person that serves the community around you. The first one is you need to see the need. (laughs) Now, all all of you are going, yeah, but of course I see the need. That's why I felt so overwhelmed. Like, what do you mean? Of course I'm seeing the needs. No, you're not seeing the needs the way that this man saw the needs. The way that this guy saw the needs is he, that's my favorite Greek word in the whole Bible, he splagnizomide. Yeah, he splagnizomide. It's like the word that we pastors sub in whenever we hit our thumb with a hammer. Splagnitzomai. It's a great word to know. <laughs> right? But splagnitzomai means this splagnitzomai means not just to see. Of course, it means to see. But it means to see and then to be so moved by compassion that it compels you to action. What a word. What a one word. That's, that's what that means. We see that you know when Jesus had compassion on the crowds, he splagnitzomined. And so I think for you and I, like we see, but we don't see this way. <laughs> we see, of course, we see, we see world vision and compassion, and we see the needs, we become overwhelmed, but we don't splag knit so my. And so you've got to see the need, and that's the tension that you and I will face this week. We'll go, you know what? I see it there, I see that tension. Sam preached on it, I get it. I feel like I should do something. God, I think you're nudging me. And then you know what happens in that moment? You probably do what I do most times, I see these needs. You think about it for a second and you go, I'm going to pray about it. So Lord, I pray that you are going to send someone into this situation and I pray that someone's going to be there right at the right time and I pray that you're going to bless them and work through their resources and with them and be with them. In Jesus' name, i Bye. <laughs> what if he's asking you to do it? Part of how you know is you'll be splagnitomide. You'll be led by compassion to do something about it. So you, you've got to see the need. And then we see uh, what else um, this man in the passage shows us in verse 34. He then went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Um, here's, here's the second thing that you, that you need to do. You need to be prepared to be inconvenienced. Yeah, I'm sure this guy didn't wake up one morning thinking, I'm going to go from Jericho up to Jerusalem, all of his um, suit and tie and his little briefcase and says, see you later, hun. Look, I, can you please pray that I run into a battered and beaten and bloody Jew on the side of the road this morning on my way to work? Right? <laughs> I don't think any of us pray like that. But this guy was prepared to be inconvenienced you know i say this quite simply you know sometimes you've got to be prepared to get off your ass i'm not swearing he got off his donkey as it says in the passage (laughs) okay and he bandaged him just in case i get any emails this week but when he got off his ass, when he got off his donkey, he got off his normal routines, his normal thinking, his normal blinkeredness, his iPhone on the way in on to work on the train, his routine, all the anxieties about what he's going to do, all the things in his calendars, all the distractions that are pressing in. <laughs> because look, I don't think that our issue for you and I is that we don't have a heart to want to meet the needs of people. I just think we're too darn busy. We don't get off our donkey because we're so ingrained into our routine of life. And so here's the phrase that the Northside Mums use, you know, or have used at some point. But I always ask you, is there a posture of interruptibility about you? I'm not saying you have to be interrupted by every need. I'm just saying, do you leave the house with this wildly exciting adventure, this mindset that says, you know what, God, God might interrupt me with someone that really needs my help today. Is there a posture of interruptibility about you? And then verse 35, the the third thing we see. And then the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you might have. And so not only do you need to see the need, prepare to be inconvenienced, but you need to carry the cost. It needs to cost you something. And more specifically, what you give in that cost is you give of your time and your money not just your money, because we're all rich here. Some of you are going, no, you're not. Uh, um, well, you know, comparative to the west, rest of the world, we are so rich that some of us keep money in our glove box. You know, we're rich by the world standards. And so um, more importantly, I think the biggest issue for us in the low and low shore is that money is actually not the issue. Money for many people in our context is the easy fix. But remember, when we talk about generosity in church, generosity is the giving away, the transfer of something that has value. And for some of you, I know between us, right, I know what your lives are like. I know that the most valuable thing is not for you to get in there and write a check to another cause, but it's to give of you time. It's to get messy. It's the hospitality. It's the person over. It's the phone call. That's what costs us, Right? And so you have to be prepared to carry the cost. And that's what we see in the man from the story there. Interestingly enough, did you know that giving away money was the last thing he did? He gets off his donkey. He pours oil on him. He patches him up. He puts him back on the donkey, uh, takes him to the inn. Time, 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 mess, 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 time, 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 keep him there, come back. If there's expenses, money. So not only are we prepared to be inconvenienced, but we need to carry the cost. we need to give away something that's of value. And, and Jonathan Edwards says this so brilliantly. He says, if he was a great preacher from the States, he said, if, if, we, "If we never be obliged to relieve others' burdens, but when we can do it without burdening ourselves, then how do we bear our neighbors' burdens when we bear no burden at all? You've got to carry the cost." And everyone in this room has resources, no matter how big or small, to be able to carry the cost and to meet the need of whoever God has placed in your path. So, there we go. Just go and do that. Simple as that. <laughs> Are we going to do it? I'll speak for myself. Maybe, maybe this week. I think part of the reason that um, it's so difficult for us, like I said, we know this passage, we've heard this, we've, we've done this year on year. You know, the, the, the great tension for us is, is this. And I, I think it, it all starts from a phrase that it's a phrase that we hated as kids, but we use all the time as grown ups a phrase we hated as kids but we use it all the time as grown-ups, it's this phrase. It's when, it's when um, you wanted to get a lolly and you had a whole bunch of other siblings or you were that kid in class who wanted to go to the toilet in order to just nick out of class for a little bit and so you go up to mum or dad and your teacher and you say, can I have this lolly or can I leave class? And what does the grown-up say? If I let you do it, then I have to let everyone do it, right? Did you hate that phrase as a kid? I've let you do it, brother's got to do it. And you'd say, no, 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 just, you know, forget everyone else. It could just be between you and me. I'll keep it a secret. <laughs> you know? Just, you know, don't worry about them. Just us, us, our little thing. Just just, just do for the one. <laughs> and then you get into adulthood, you use it all the time. You know, and I think it's that phrase that um, that mucks this whole thing of serving up. Because it's that phrase that leads us to this sort of thinking... It's this sort of thinking that we've got to resist. This thinking that we think I can't do for anyone because I can't do for everyone. And you've got to resist that. (laughs) And I know what our thinking's like. Oh, you know, I can't can't just do it for the one because that's not fair. It's not fair if I just do it for this one. Yeah, but look, mum and dad's not fair. Life's not fair. God's not even fair when you look look at his grace. (laughs) So forget fair just do for the one just do for the one resist that urge to say i can't do for anyone because i can't do for everyone you know that, that's that's giving an excuse for us to take ourselves back into the pool to say that it's too overwhelming it's forget about fair it's not about fair it's about as we say when we talk about justice in this church it's about putting things right where you are and you know serving people and doing justice It's not a political persuasion, nor is it rocket science. It's simply just doing something for the one. I I love this quote, and I I can't quite remember who to attribute it to, but they say, you know, to have the resources and withhold them from doing good is not, not stinginess, it's injustice. To have the goods and not do something with it is not stinginess, it's injustice. So... Just do for the one. Do for the one. And, you know, there are lots of ways that we're going to in- instantly resist this. In fact, you might have already been resisting this as I've been preaching. Um, I was resisting it as I was writing this. Um, but, you know, there are ways that we're going to resist this the minute we walk out the doors this morning. Here's the first one you say phrases like this um, They'll be fine. Right? That, they'll be fine. Compassion's got it sorted, and that other neighbor's got it sorted. No, no, no. What if it's you? The other, the other line of thinking is this: um, I've, I've done my part. I've played my part. I'm leaving it for the next generation, <laughs> right? And and if and and look, I get that. That's serving fatigue. But look, let, let me say this: If if that is you, you need to go back through and read Exodus. You need to see the story of Moses. His ministry didn't get started until he was 80 years of age. Okay. So for all of you that are above the age of 60, you haven't had your time. Your ministry is just beginning. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Amen. The third one is the other end of the spectrum. I don't want to sound ageist, um, but the other end of the spectrum, you know, all those youngsters that go, you know what, I'm just a poor uni student or a student or a high school student. You know, I don't have the resources. You know, I eat memory noodles five nights a week. I don't have the resources to meet the needs of other people. Um, Look, maybe for some people, giving time is the hard thing. Maybe for you, giving resources is the hard thing. Give what costs you. There are lots of ways that we can tap out on this and i get this i'm tired i've heard it i've been there sam i know the passage i get i get all of that but my question for you this morning is how is god nudging you towards the one who is your one could it be could it be that one mum that you know in group that you can see is struggling and just needs a phone call and a meal that one kid, that one group, that one couple whose marriage is struggling, that one person at work that you can see is under deep burden with their life and they don't even know Jesus yet. Who's the one that God is nudging you towards? Because you know what I see here this morning? You know what I've seen up at Taramara? I've I've seen you know t- 250 different ministries for God. Because ev- every one of us, not the departments, Thrive Madagascar and Glow. and Ke- Every one of us is the mission department of Northside Community Church. And you know what I think? I think if everyone did for the one, I think we could change Sydney. I think we could change the world. But if you have to make me get a little bit more grounded... If everyone did for the one, what they wish they could do for everyone, then uh, we may not change Sydney, and we may not change the world, but you will change someone's world. And it might even change your world. As you get wrapped up in this incredible, divine blessing that it is to serve others because God ultimately has served you first. We cannot get overwhelmed. We cannot use that as an excuse. (laughs) not when what we're, not not when we know what we know now. And so that's all I pray for all 250 ministries of service and justice in this place today that will hear this message that we each would just do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. And everyone's world would start to become a slightly better place. Let's pray. Lord, help us with this. There are going to be moments of service and there's going to be moments of ministry following this time together, Lord, that um, no one's going to see, only you are ever going to see, but that is the wonder and the mystery of your kingdom, that a whole bunch of people would turn up here at 10 o'clock on a Sunday and be in this space and place when uh, we don't have to look very far to see a world around us that is hurting and is broken and just needs needs, uh, a person like any one of us in these seats this morning walking into their life. And so, Lord, as, as you now begin to prepare in advance the good works which you would have us do, as your word says in Ephesians, I pray now through your Holy Spirit that you would begin in opening the eyes and the hearts and the availability of every person in this room. And that in so doing, we, we truly would become a church that is serving the needs of the community around us. Lord, we pray for continued people who have not just nudges but great passions on their heart like some of the leaders that we've seen in this place, that you would continue to raise up new ministries in this place um, that would seek to serve you corporately also in this church. But in the time being, keep our eyes open. Compel us to splagnitzo, my Lord. Compel us to action, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.